Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. I'm so excited to have two fabulous physical therapists who happen to be engaged to each other on my podcast today, Dr. Jenna Scare and Dr. Dominic Fraboni. Jen is also known as Doc Jen Fit on Instagram, and she's the creator of the Mobility Method and the Optimal Body. Dom and Jen have a podcast called The Optimal Body, and Dom also has the Kitchen Independence Cookbook that he wrote. Check them out and check out this episode. Good movement, and welcome to Redefining Yoga, a movement by Laura podcast, which is designed to investigate all aspects of the modern evolution of yoga from my background as a physical therapist and lover of movement. My mission is to help everyone find freedom through safer and smarter movement patterns, so together we can be uplifted, benefiting all beings. Today is Friday with Friends, and I have two new friends with me who are also physical therapists, Doc Jen and Doc Dom. Welcome, you guys. Thank you. Excited to be here. I know. I'm so glad we can actually look at each other. It's really nice. Right. You know, when you see somebody on a different screen, like a little phone screen, it's quite different. So um, we're, we're all PTs. Like, I think that already brings us into like this kind of sister brotherhood because uh, I find that that's not actually too many categories. I would say that like some yoga teachers I do click with, some are like way different. But I think something about PTs, like we all have our own paths of getting into PT and but but there was definitely some kind of heart-centered action into getting into it because it is a profession that does require a lot of heart, you know. How did you can you guys briefly just talk about how you individually got into physical therapy, how you learned about it? Um well for me it was I was always like in love with anatomy and bio in high school and so I knew going into college and I was a mover. I was a gymnast and I coached gymnastics. And so going into college, I was like, well, the only thing that sounds fascinating is kinesiology, which is the study of human movement. So I was like, I'm going to do that. And, and then I started as an aide at a physical therapy office and I loved the environment. I loved watching a physical therapist evaluate movement, watch movement, feel movement. And I was just became obsessive. Like I taught Pilates, I coached gymnastics, but there was always this aspect of like, but what else could I do? How else could I help? And so I just decided in that moment, like, okay, this is the path. This is what I want to do. And no matter how long it takes and how much money it is, (laughs) this is what I want to do. And so just continued on that pathway. Did you start off right out of college? Did you start like, or did you go right through to grad school or did you have to like add some extra prerequisites? 
I did have to do like a year and a half of prereqs, unfortunately. They didn't have all the prereqs, even though it was on the kinesiology track for everything. Um, But it allowed me to actually take biomechanical courses from one of my favorite professors. So I was in with grad students and continuing to learn biomechanics, like things that I really loved. And so I almost feel like I had an upper hand in really body movement in that aspect while I took chemistry and physics and all the other things. Love it. We'll, we'll go back to that, but I want to hear about Dom. I mean, I'd say a similar start because I, I've just always been active, always loved movement, been an athlete my whole life through high school. And then in college, wanted to play college football with the school I was going to. And it was kind of that point where they say, you know, you get thrown into college and they're like, okay, what do you want to do for the rest of your life? <laughs> and I was like, and my dad was a doctor and I loved music but I didn't want to be married to music. So I'm like, let's go into something health related. And I kind of went pre-PT. And I think what really clicked for me when I, when I was like, this is what I need to do was the first time I saw a practitioner really connect with the human across from him and have the time with them to be there and make them feel comfortable and make them feel comfortable within their own body and, and what's going on in their lives right now. And just the way that these two guys... <laughs> Eldon Johnson and Chris Kramer worked with these patients who just, and they just told me, they're like, Don, if you make someone smile when they come in and send them out laughing, like they'll come back and they'll get better. And beyond that, the things we do with our hands and the skills that we have, like there's marginal improvement based on what you do. It's, it's, it has a lot more to do with why you do it. So just the ability to connect with people and serve people, I think really drew me in. And just when I saw the way that they connected with them, I'm like, let's do this. And it was attractive to me that it was a doctoring profession because that gives you some options um, once you get out of school when I was going in. So I'm like, all right, let's do it. I love that. What kind of doctor is your father? He's an MD OBGYN. So he does family okay. practice mostly. Yeah. So my dad, my dad was an orthopedic surgeon. And so I similarly had always been interested in going into medicine and thinking that originally I might want to be, I really was going to be a doctor. And then that lasted like a week. <laughs> In college, I was like, these people are way too serious. Like it was, you know, the pre-med group crew. But what people actually don't realize is for the, because I, I get asked almost, you know, weekly, I'm really interested in being a physical therapist. You know, what do you think? And I'm like, it's an amazing profession. It is, it is a like going to medical school. Like you, the, the prerequisites required, we had classes, like I'm sure you did too, with uh, medical students. So it really checks off those boxes in terms of the intensity and the uh, mentality. But like you said, there is something so unique and beautiful about being seen, like seeing your people and them being seen and having this relationship. And like, yeah, it doesn't matter if you're like stretching them or you're teaching them this, but the, there, there's an interaction that is so... Uh, unique and beautiful, especially in this modern uh, medical model. And my next question would be like, how do you, obviously now we're in the pandemic, but how do you see yourselves relating to people to have that same feeling in the future? Because I know neither, like right now you aren't in the clinic, I'm not in a clinic, but I have ways of doing it. I'm curious how you guys do it. I mean, now that everything is kind of shifted you know, more so online. And I've been doing online now since uh, the very end of 2017. So mm-hmm. it's been an incredible journey to continue to grow. And, it's, and I always say it's just different. It's a different energy that you're able to connect with, with people where now I'm, 
you know, almost have to wait for feedback to hear what someone is going to say based on diving in and exploring the programs or even exploring Instagram posts. You know, I did this Instagram post and I feel different. I'm like, wow, that was from a one minute video, (laughs) you know, something like that. And rather than having that in-person, really seeing how they're moving, seeing how how things are adapting and their, their facial expressions, their energy right in the moment. It's just a different type of connection. But to know that I gave tools, someone used those tools and then came back willingly to give feedback on that tool, it's, it's so rewarding and it's so empowering to know you actually stepped forward and you did this. You added it into your life. That's incredible. Yeah. It's like a feedback loop. Like you put a lot of time and energy into thinking about content and what people uh, would like to see. And I mean, there's a lot you put out there and then the feedback is you're getting the all you're exposing it to many more people. And even though you're not, they're not in front of you. I, I taught it's, I would never have thought, right. That these celluloid screens could have that, that impact, that intimacy and that feeling of real satisfaction and um, again, it's like this positive feedback loop, like, oh, I'm giving to you. And then you're giving back by, by telling me the impact that my advice is, is having on you. And I think that's the beauty of online. It's, it's like, you know, there's almost 8 billion people in the world. Like you can reach a lot of them much more than you could one-on-one in a clinic. How about you, Dom? Because you were, have been more recently in the clinic, right? Totally. And I am right now seeing about, I'd say, five visits with, I've maintained three clients kind of throughout things to keep contacts down and, you know, just doing it minimal, you know, contact and touching and stuff, which has been good because I really do like the in-person thing and I like that connection you can get. And I think what I especially admired about and learned from Jen was this ability to now connect with more and to maybe put that message out and information out in front of people where you might reach a thousand people or 10,000 people in one day, where in the clinic, you're only reaching 10, you know? And so it's, it's really cool in that aspect, but also as a young provider, it's a, it's a little tough to just start putting stuff out there. And that's what, like, no matter how much you know and how smart you are in a certain area or whatever, there's always going to be that, that little bit of self-doubt. But the thing that I've noticed to get the same feeling online as I do in the clinic it's just about being authentic and putting out because then you're going to draw in that authentic feedback and the people that you really do want to see and be in front of are then going to be reached by that message. So it is a little bit scary, but putting out the authenticity is really how you just continue to get that connection. <laughs> I agree because people really feel like this, that's your intention. Your intention is to provide the great information, good examples. And yeah, you're learning from a pro here because it's not... You know, it isn't, it's like a fine line, I think, especially as medical providers, like giving information to the general public, distilling it to the, uh, like a, a, you know, palatable understanding and yet also not like making it prescriptive, but also like watching liability. There's a lot of in that. And so I think, you know, you do this so well, Jen, and it's, it's that like being able to give really solid information uh, with without intimidating or saying like this is the answer but also like you know being precautionary with it too it's it's have you found what what have been the biggest hiccups for you in terms of like providing that kind of content yeah i think it's just it's hard because you're i'm i'm putting out content to 
to try to help people raise awareness within their body. That's what I, I say it as, you know, I'm bringing awareness into some of the things that you might not have been aware of. This isn't a fix. And ultimately people have to read that in the caption or else they're just going to make it up in their head that like, oh, that seems like it would help me. So I'm just going to use this or, and then people start damning me. Well, what about this problem? What about this problem? And it's like, I can't necessarily give you an answer to your problem. What you're telling me is a symptom. It's not a cause. It's not a, it's not what's actually happening. And and if anyone's telling you that there's one fix for everything, they're lying to you, right? So having trying to get that message across while also wanting to still help and provide awareness and education. And also as I grow and it's just this natural thing, like I, I do get other clinicians who come at me and question some of the things. And I'm like, so I'm trying to make them happy. And then I'm trying to keep general population happy. And then I'm trying to make sure no one's getting too much. And that it's, it gets a little <laughs> overwhelming at times. And I think pain can be very triggering for people as well. So wanting to make sure that like I'm meeting people where they're at and I'm not telling you, I'm going to heal you. I'm going to fix you. I'm giving you education and awareness. And I'm hoping that this is just another tool along your journey of understanding and learning your body. So it's a process and, and some weeks are better than others. And some days are really hard. (laughs) Um, And that's why I'm a, Grateful I have an amazing partner I get to cry to if I need to. Or... That goes both ways. <laughs> yeah. So what do you say to her when like like people have been bashing <laughs> bashing her about like, you know, what are you doing? Giving all this information out to the general public. You know, it's difficult because a lot of the ways I need to respond to that is just be there. And it's okay to feel upset about people saying things like that uh, briefly. And then, you know, we quickly want to try and reframe where that might be coming from and where their hurt might be coming from. And like Jen said, we talk about things that can be very triggering. We talk about scoliosis. We talk about chronic pain. We talk about plantar fasciitis. And, and what, whether you've been having this for six days or six years, you know, you're going to have some sort of relationship with that. And so we understand that, yeah, not everyone reads everything or watches everything. And they don't get the full message and they don't know us. And so seeing a small snippet from the outside is easy for it to trigger somebody's hurt and just understanding that has nothing to do about us. There are thousands and thousands of people that give very positive feedback and we just get to re- redirect our attention towards that rather than, you know, and being there for the people who are hurt as well. Because if we fire back at them, then we miss the opportunity to, to be a person who can help start to maybe change that relationship. Oh my gosh, we all need a dom in our life, right? <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I have that one written down. Yeah, well, that was great. No, I think it's so great. Like, I and, and this is really good for anybody who's on social media, even if you're, you know, barely have any followers. But it, just knowing that there are people out there that are hurt, and this is like an easy, like you just start moving those thumbs, and they can say whatever they want, and somehow they think in that moment it's expelling some of that pain, just to be like a know-it-all or obnoxious or even mean. And, but it is, it's coming like hurt people hurt. And if, so if you're somebody who does that, take, take a pause and be like, why am I doing this? Why am I triggered by what she's saying? Or like, she's so cute and successful. And is that pissing me off? Like, okay, you know, how about celebrate women? How about celebrate somebody who's doing good for others? And, you know, I, I've haven't had, I'm, I'm like you, I have many more people who have been really, um, 
grateful and lots of great messages, but you get those some that, like I remember this was about two years back, I had posted something about my in my 300 hours. So it's an advanced level training on how to do some myofascial techniques for the QL and coming in kind of in the, you know, in the middle here. And this one person, and I know she studies with this other yoga teacher who's like very, you know, likes to go after people, I should say. And she's like, this is outside of scope of practice. Unless you're a PT, you should not ever be doing this. And I was like, okay. And she's like, I, nobody should be teaching that. I'm like, I'm teaching, like, this is not that complicated. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and obviously there's a lot of underlying, if you go down, this is a 300 hour, you would get the person's consent. You have a relationship with them. You know, people love this. They absolutely love this shit when you're doing it. And, and so I just was, I walked away and I'm, I'm Scorpio. I was like, I'm really good until I'm not. And then I, are you Scorpio? Yeah. Like I'm like super calm for a long time, but if you hit a hot button, I I'm going to go after you. I want to go after you. And I want to go like, I'm just going to take you down. (laughs) I just went like clear out the room. And I just really, and so I wrote all this stuff and then I just like, I wrote it, but I didn't post it, you know? And I just thought, okay, there's no point in that. And then there's all these people that come in and like, Laura knows what she's doing. This helps so much. And then I see like, it becomes this battleground. And so I just deleted the post because I was like, you know, F it. I don't want this to become like this thing where people feel like they need to protect me for teaching something that I feel really strongly about. And this one person had her own opinion about it, but it was really not presented in a really healthy way. So anyway, that's it's it, it, it it's so fascinating to watch our own responses to that because I really was like, I'm trying to help people. Like, look at the big picture. <laughs> Right. I'd say in those situations, one of the things that, again, like I really love to see is when Jen, you know, we take a second, Jen takes a second, kind of reflects, and then types back something with compassion and empathy. And more times than not, the person completely flips. They like completely come around and they say, you know, I felt bad after I sent that. Thank you so much for your, you know, love and compassion and stuff. And Again, you're that opportunity. You're that horizon moment for that person where they might be able to start flipping their mindset as well. Yeah. That's where I've like I've had the same thing happen where someone wrote something she was triggered by and I mean I was just posing in a photo and she thought I was sucking in my stomach. And yeah. and I mean I was like extended but I wasn't consciously trying to, you know, whatever. And she, you know, wrote something triggering and then other people are defending me, defending, defending. And I just realized that she was getting attacked, right? Ultimately. And she would come back at people. You could tell that she was super fired up. She would come back at people and, and start saying something. And that's when I DM'd her a video message telling her how I can understand how hurtful that would be to have so many people trying to attack you. And that's not your intention. You weren't trying to talk to anyone else. And, and I'm, you know, and I'm sorry for the perception that you saw in my photo. And from there, that's when she completely 180 flipped her attitude. And, you know, and then she came out with all her vulnerabilities. And that's happened a few times when I can go into a DM and actually have a good conversation with people. It doesn't always happen. And I know I shouldn't sometimes try because some people aren't as receptive, but it's beautiful to be able to meet people where they're at in those instances and have this like, Hey, look, 
I'm human, you're human, and we're both just trying to figure this thing out together. I love that. So how do you, um, how do you apply this? I mean, you both are, you know, so well-spoken and so thoughtful and so heart-centered. How do you apply this in your own relationship? Like when things happen, or it, you now have been sequestered to some degree with the pandemic, you're engaged, so you're making that commitment. But what has that, what has changed for you in, in learning like how to communicate some of this stuff when things come up? Should I go out of the room so she can speak freely? <laughs> I know my husband will suddenly just be like, do you actually really do that? <laughs> Is that actually the real answer? So yeah. 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 I mean, I, I think it's, it's exactly that. It's the continued communication. And the thing that I'm eternally grateful for. And I tell every single person in my life, this is the fact that he is open to communication, like truly open to communication. There's this, there's, you can say you're open to communication and then there's the actual act of it. And, and being able to, so even when I know that tensions, like there's something frustrating happening, there's something tension happening that I can start to feel. I know that, you know, this is okay because he's going to come to me when he's ready and talk about whatever it is that he's feeling or vice versa. I know that I'm going to, he knows that I'm going to come and I'm going to openly have a conversation and need to talk about something. And I think the fact that we're both so open to having our feelings, having our emotions, being able to voice them and creating spaces for each other to be able to do that is the name of the game. Like that is, that's everything. And I've been in past relationships where that was again said that that was the thing, but that there was something always missing. There wasn't that true voicing of what was really happening internally. And so being with a partner who's open to voice that internally, he's open to holding space for me in, in whatever I'm experiencing is so incredible. And do you feel like that's happened? Like you, like he's brought that out in you more than like that probably would have been the case, but do you feel like Dom has made it more that open line of communication is easier? He's made it more of like, it's okay to feel and it's okay to have that space. He, you know, I came into this relationship even in the very beginning saying like, I'm still healing and there's going to be things that come up for me that have nothing to do with you, but they probably will be shot at you. And he's like, okay. <laughs> oh, you guys are the cutest. The fact that you could even say that though, like know that like, you know, there's still wounds and there, I mean, it can be like, you know, a month old, it could be 10 years old. We don't even know necessarily what's going to bring him up, but that you knew that it could come out at him. And just can, kind of giving him a little bit like, you know, viewer aware, just yeah. <laughs> how about, oh my gosh, John, you are like such a rare gem. I just love you. I love you. I love you both. But my gosh, Dom, like, cause you remind me a lot of my husband. My husband is, I mean, he, he loves you. he's amazing. He's, we've been married 19 years, 19 years, which like, you know, but, um, he has that it's a vulnerability really. And I, it's, I really hate to talk about heteronormative and ginger relationship, but unfortunately, culturally, it has been something that has not been, in, you know, celebrated in men. 
And, you know, even my 15 year old son was like openly crying the other night. And he's like, I don't know why I'm crying like this. I, I just bugs me that I just cry. And I was like, this is, it's emotions and energy coming up. Just let it up. That's no big deal. Like I, you know, and I'm so glad I was like, oh my God, my little 15 year old is crying and he's six two. And he's like, you know, he just doesn't like conflict and, and he and his, um, his sister um, fighting. But I, I'm curious, how did you, was that modeled for you or? So yeah, this is where I go and you know, put all credit off to my parents because of the way that they set the examples. I mean, like you said, I have a dad who worked his ass off for us as a family and also was just very open to being emotional with us as boys. I have two brothers, so there's three of us boys. And it was just always, I mean, I just remember crying with my dad at the end of like Disney movies and like just emotional storylines that would choke us up. And then in real life stuff, you know, would come up and being able to cry with my dad and my mom and you know, have them again, like you said, affirm that that's okay. And, you know, in reality, I think it's just giving me an ability to like connect with people. Yeah. (laughs) That's like, just seems normal to me. And again, when I saw my dad working with patients, that was something that really inspired me to work with patients. Cause he always said like, I don't know the most as a doctor. I wasn't the smartest doctor. I wasn't, but I connect with people and I sit there with them and I like, let them tell me the things that matter to them. And in the first two to three minutes, they tell me exactly what they need. And if I don't get out of my own way, then that's my own fault. And so again, great modeling in that aspect. And even what you said, like, oh, I'm still healing. I'm still going through stuff. Like I say great because it's like, if you're a human and you've lived on this earth for more than 10 or 12 years, you're going to have trauma that you're going to continually be working through. That's how our brains work. And that's, so I just look at it realistically I guess that things are going to come up. And the thing that, again, affirmed to me that we'd be able to get through those things was how we communicated beforehand. And how every time something did come up, it was the communication that continued to affirm that, like, yeah, we can work together on these things and be side by side rather than butting heads, you know? So, well, I was just going to ask are, are, do you guys have different personalities in that say, like, one is more the doer? you know, like going to get stuff done, organized, and one's kind of more like the laid back, like I'll help with other stuff. Do you guys have kind of different personalities? Are you similar? I would say we're pretty similar in like the doing, like, (laughs) yeah, yeah. which is a problem. (laughs) I I think that's the thing we've been working on. Yeah, (laughs) not doing so much and actually connecting more is like our thing that's like the biggest hurdle that we're coming up against, especially now they, yes, we're in quarantine. So his, a lot of his clients went away. And so he just hopped into like helping me full force way more in the business, which has been absolutely incredible. And I'm super grateful for it. That's where the podcast came out of. That's where, you know, just add like so much within the business is able to grow because he stepped in and I'm so incredibly grateful, but we are both like the doers. (laughs) We're both getting it done. And (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I'm up way early. She stays up way late. That's our different you know, personalities. <laughs> she does her greatest work late at night. I'm like 6 a.m. to 10 a.m. I get a lot of my stuff done. And so it, it is. We like became ships passing in the night a couple of days. And I'm like, we need to really sit down and, and make that a part of our business, yeah. <laughs> scheduling in the, the personal time and the connected time. And so, yeah, I think that we do both have that doer personality and there are slight differences, but not going to be the same person. So, yeah. No, but you already, yeah, you already have that in, that um, intention of really giving the relationship 
all of its nourishment. And so recognizing like, hey, it's been a couple of days since we actually did something. And I think when you work with each other, my husband and I did work a little bit together for a while. We've always worked for ourselves. And so he helped me also with my business earlier on. We kind of redefined what that time was. Like it wasn't necessarily a date at night, but we might have lunch together or we would take a walk during the day together. So it was like time that wasn't working, but it might not be like like the typical when people work nine to five and then go out on Friday night or Saturday night for date night, that not that we wouldn't do that, but we would do it during the week in, in, in ways that, you know, like let's have a brunch together or, you know, it just, it's, but that was the intention. Like find some time where we're not talking about work because that's hard. <laughs> and that's what we do. We call it connection time. So it might be, it might be Afro together, breath yeah. work. It might be a bath at night. It might be like whatever we can sprinkle it in where this is our connection time and we're not allowed to talk about work. <laughs> and, it's also tough. <laughs> it's very hard because you're passionate about it and it's yeah. you're yeah. passionate. Yeah. We talk about the things we're passionate about, which include work and that comes up during personal time. And again, it's just like people ask me, what's it like to work with your fiance? And like, it's amazing because it's all in one place. And again, that makes it difficult to really segment or divide when you're devoting certain time to certain things. Yeah. But we do set that intention at the beginning of every month. It might not be, it's not perfect by yeah. any means, but we at least set the intention. We do three partner goals, mm-hmm. um, three individual goals, personal and three personal uh, business goals. So we do that and we write that out and we have a word of the month that is like our, this is our focus together yeah. as a couple and as a partnership that we're really like centered on. So we at least, sit down at the beginning of every month and set the intention. It's not always perfect, but we, we, we read it. We intention. read it down. We read it down. At least read it. Uh, hey, I think just going that far is good, right? You're already 80%. <laughs> because I think sometimes when we just say something out loud and have that intention, we're following through in ways that not might not necessarily be uh, um, obvious or evident, but, but um, that are definitely infused by that intention. Who came up with that idea? <laughs> Probably don't. Yeah. I know. I'm, I'm right. It's something you hear in podcast land or wherever if you're listening to like personal developments. You're so my husband. It's like kind of freaking me out right now. <laughs> no, seriously. He'll do the same thing. He's like, I was listening to this podcast and we should spend 15 minutes together every night just unloading the... D-. I was like... Oh. <laughs> no, but it's true. I early on started to become like a self-experimenter, right? I'm like, what works for me? And that's, again, yeah. something that tumbled into how I treat patients and clients. <laughs> what works for you? It's going to be individual. So I started just trying different breathworks, trying different journal strategies, trying different getting outside in the morning versus getting outside at night, You know, doing breathwork outside, everything. And you just start throwing it in. And especially when you talk about nutrition, I just started experimenting with what works best for my body. And so same with the relationship. Let's just try things. And it doesn't mean we're always going to do it this way. But again, writing it down, I found for me, like as I write things down and post it somewhere, I'm going to be more likely to find those opportunities in my day. <laughs> yeah. Now, what's it like? Are, Jen, are you originally from California? Mm-hmm. Okay. So Dom, you're from the Midwest. Is that right? Minnesota. Yep. Minnesota, where they, where they have pop. Like I had a whole conversation. Somebody asked me if I wanted pop and I was like, what? Like popcorn? I literally was like, are you trying to say Popcorn. Like pop, pop. You want a Coke or pop? And I was like, is a Coke pop? Oh, yeah. <laughs> like I'm from North Carolina where we'll say, do you want a Coke? 
And somebody will say, yeah, I'll take a Mountain Dew. It literally, the Coke is just like the generic soft drink. But you say that, do you want a Coke? And it's like, yeah, I think I'll have it. You know, it might not be a Coke. It's so funny how these different parts of the country. <laughs> so odd so in different funny. states. So what has it been like for you relocating? So that's like, I mean, in few words, I think that the past year and a half has been a real growth period for me in understanding what it means to be attached to stuff (laughs) and to understand that relationships with different things change and that with all the blessings that come with a new path, you know, comes challenges of feeling detachment from old things that, you know, were in the plan and were part of your life. And so, you know, that's, I think, been the biggest thing. I'm away from family for the first time. Never, ever thought I was going to leave Minnesota. So just, I know, so someone drags me away, just professional organization connections and business stuff that I wanted to do in Minnesota. It's like, poof, you know, let's do something different. And so that was just a fairly difficult because, you know, going through school and everything, like you work, you work hard and you work with intention. And so I think that's been a difficult thing is just re-understanding what the life is going to be like. And it happened beautifully right when quarantine happened. So it's like, came out here to try and start my own business and pick up clients quarantine started right when I got that all set up and running. And so then I lost all the clients. And then again, gave an opportunity to accelerate into what we were going to do anyway and work together more. And so again, it's been on a pace that has kind of pushed us to grow really quickly together and communicate more. And I've had an amazing partner to support through all the challenges who lets me show my emotions when I need to. Ah, that's great. And Jen, what was that like for you? having like, um, you know, he came for you, like what, well, I mean, obviously that's an incredible gift and, and I know I can tell you have such gratitude and you are worth traveling for. I know that. (laughs) Yeah. Duh. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just like every day, you know, we say what we're grateful for and I'm grateful for him every single day. It's just such a big thing to say like, oh, I'm going to move over. And, and, but it was just something that was felt also natural. Like this is happening. This is, it was this ease in, in our meeting, in our conversations, in our flows together. And when he would come out or when I'd be out there, like there was ease in him and my family, there was ease in me and his family. There was just this, this flow and this connection that was undeniable. And so no matter what, it was like, this is happening. (laughs) And I'm just, you know, so incredibly grateful. And we're continuing to see how can we, how can we, you know, create this, this home in Minnesota so we can still go back because we're both connected to family and that's part of our non-negotiables on either side. And we Mm -hmm. want family to be the center of who we are. And so, you know, having a home in Minnesota that we can spend more time at rather than every now and then and and having a home here so that we can make it so that family is the center of who we are still and that doesn't change and it just being so clear i think on non-negotiables in that way and not sacrificing who you are in your core is something that i learned so deeply and something that we both brought up right away yeah. <laughs> what we mm-hmm. wanted who we are what is what you know, just what we want in life as for partnerships and individually. And 
And that lined up on so many ways that it was like, this is when people, this is the cliche. I'm the walking cliche right now. When you know, you know. Yeah. Yeah, Like you guys knew pretty soon because you met at a PT convention that you were speaking at. Is that right, Jen? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you were dancing. I, I, I listened to your podcast. I was like, this is a great way to figure out a partner. It's like, they don't have to be the best dancer, but if they're like, how free are, you know, cause that right there, you it's, that says so much about a person, like non-alcohol involved. Like, can you just be free with your body? That's going to tell me a lot about your spirit. Did you say, did, is, is that what you found with each other? Yeah. I just <laughs> love to dance. And I, again, great parent influence. My dad, trained dance growing up and all of his siblings. So I've learned from my aunts and uncles growing up and I just love to partner dance. And I could tell she moved really, really well. And she was like the one person at the conference I didn't know. She was there speaking. And I knew most, this was kind of my crew of PTs with the APTA. And yeah, and she got there and I just noticed she moved so well. And I really, really like to dance with people because for me, dance is a universal language of communication that you don't need to know uh, the actual verbal language, but you can speak with each other. And so that's the first time we communicated was dancing, which was really fun because I, and I say this, everyone says the the man leads the dance, but we really just provide the platform to be spoken back to. And if you're not listening back, you're going to miss on some cool opportunities to learn more and to do new things that your partner tells you to do. And so I noticed I was doing different things and new things. And it was just such a fun dance because we were we were in full force communication. <laughs> so it was, it was pretty cool. <laughs> that was our first talk. That, that's great. That's like a great first date, right? Like you're, where you're just like totally just dancing and getting down and like, I, I see you. Oh yeah. <laughs> he walked me back and we stayed in the hotel lobby and talked till 2 a.m., which I needed to speak at 8 a.m. the next day. Yeah, so but it was just this <laughs> natural flow of conversation. He didn't kiss me or anything. <laughs> But it was just this hitting on deeper values that you don't, you're not trying to do. It's just this natural, like this person is just has this energy that matched me. And it was incredible. Yeah. It was like just in casual first conversation, we just started like hitting on all the deep value stuff that you always wish you would have like connected or talked with somebody about. And it's like, oh, wow. Like we're just casually getting to know each other. And I feel like I know her deeper already than most other people I've had dated. <laughs> That's so beautiful because a lot of people are even scared to go into that in the first month of dating. Because, you know, and again, that's where all the kind of cultural and, and also, you know, personal background comes into and you don't want to scare somebody off and all the tactics to just be able to like talk and and really heart to heart, like say say things like that right away is you definitely, yeah, like you said, you knew, you knew. Yeah, I mean, but that's where it's like, I... I, I want to tell all women, you know, like, don't do the whole, like, don't scare him away. Don't do this. Don't say this too early. I threw all of that out the window. And I'm like, no, you do need to say who you are right yeah. up front. You need to show everything. You need to just not be afraid of saying, this is what I want. I'm clear. And if you're not clear or you're not there, cool. We could be friends. We could have experiences life together, but we don't have to go forward. Yeah. as a partnership and, and being so clear in that it provided so much space for me to be who I am authentically and for him to be who he is authentically. And I think I wish, and I hope more people start to do that. 
Well, everybody out there listening, make sure you do that. Yeah, I think we should just stop playing games. Like really, you know, talk from our heart. What are we going to lose? You know, if that person wasn't, it doesn't respond the way we'd want them to, then they're okay. That we're not meant to be together anyway. Do you feel like when you're more in touch, because I always like to bring this back to like, we are not just a physical body. You know, so when I talk, when I've talked in yoga before, sometimes people would be like, well, I'm used to practicing more spiritual yoga when they talk to me. And I used to like kind of get a little triggered by that long ago because I was doing like functional mobility in my yoga, like over a decade ago, it was absolutely like nobody was doing that. And like, it was almost, (laughs) you know, like I like broken into a new religion or something. And And so when people would say that, um, I used to get a little triggered. I'm like, what do they mean by that? Like, how is like not doing things in a, this traditional way or this, like whatever way they're talking about saying things in Sanskrit, sitting a certain way, nothing's wrong with that. But why is that more spiritual than learning about your body becoming stronger in your core? So to, so I, I got used to just saying, oh, what do you mean by that? And then I turn it back to them and they'd be kind of like, well, you know, we kind of would, I'm used to like sitting and meditating more. And I'm like, oh, that's one form of being spiritual. But really to me, when you are, unless you're a corpse, you're not just a body, right? So it's all together. This is our vehicle. And so my question is, do you find that like being in more physical connection to yourself kind of opened up that space? I mean, you're obviously physically strong all along, but there's a different kind of connection. And then now in that space of really being connected the way you are, do you feel like a different relationship with your, your body and as this vehicle? That's a very good and complicated question. And I, I like it a lot because I think that I've had a few just like pivotal points where, you know, spiritually, physically, emotionally, I felt, you know, just that really strong connection and like a real ping. It's, it was an onset of doing a new breath practice for me that really helped connect me emotionally into myself. And I was like doing this physical thing, but I felt <laughs> disconnected from my body almost, you know, and some of the things that I started practicing to myself with different meditative, spiritual breath practices and how that, yeah, once I felt more connected in, I felt that much more ready to help other people work through their problems and facilitate, you know, new opportunities for them. So. I definitely think that there has to be a spiritual component to how all humans practice life, just like you said, and where are they at? You know, I'm used to being in rural Minnesota and people talk their spiritualities, you know, from prayer a lot, like your Catholic, Lutheran, you know, traditional Midwest people. And so, you know, I have no problem talking into prayer. I grew up Catholic and I have, you know, strong familial roots in the Catholic faith and if that's where they need to be received, you know, to be able to connect into themselves spiritually, then I'm missing out if I'm going to try preaching meditation at them or preaching breath work at them if they scoff at it and aren't ready for it. So I think that's where you just need to know as an individual where you connect in spiritually and how you can start to broaden that for yourself. Yeah. And for me, it was like, I've always sought to be more connected to this physical aspect of my body. I wanted to learn acro and then salsa and then calisthenics and all these different practices. But it was surprising to me when I got shingles and I didn't even know because I didn't have the pain that came along with it. So I was like, once I realized that I got the shingles, I remember telling my therapist, I feel like there's a little girl inside of me that is screaming to get 
to be heard and no one is hearing her. And it was that that truly connected me back in to like, I'm not one, I don't feel comfortable to use my voice and I don't feel like I'm in a safe space. And two, I don't feel like I can trust the feelings that are coming up inside me. And it was those two things that when I finally broke free from my past and was able to step forward, there was this freedom, new level of freedom in my body that allowed me to express to Dom, that allowed me to express to friends or to anyone truly who I am because I can now trust me. I can trust my gut feeling. I can trust when I'm not sure that I should, you know, like this person's cool, but we probably don't need to connect anymore because there's this feeling that's just, it's just off. It's not anything bad about them. It's just, it's not meant to be right now. And actually listening to that feeling and allowing and trusting my gut, trusting my body on a deeper level is, I think, the thing that 100% has helped me to connect to Dom the way that we are and trust yourself, trust yourself, trust yourself. I just, I don't know where we lose that ability to trust ourselves, but I hope that everyone does, is able to get back into that. Well, I think what you're providing is is one way of it for sure. You know, that's I think there are, we get a lot of signals. Our body talks to us. Our 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 heart talks to us and and sometimes like you're saying it's like, "Wait, I got something on my body that's telling me something that's unexpressed that is that has been muted." And the 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 more that we start to connect it all together, those signals come up faster. We're able to answer them. We're able to respond to them. We're able to, to trust, like you said, trust them to, to know that like, actually, I got to trust myself so much. This is not a good place for me to be. That's not a good person for me to hang out with. This is not a good job for me to stay in. You know, it's like, I'm always surprised at how people really mute. I mean, you know, we all do it. So it's not, I'm just, it's not a, uh, a judgment. It's just, it shows us from some age, for some reason, we ha- we start to do that um, and some of it is like our outside perceptions of what we should be doing. And so we do a path, you know, like we all, again, I, this is where I think PTs in a lot of ways bond because in some way we heard that calling, we felt it and we followed it. It wasn't just like, I think I'm going to be a lawyer, no offense to lawyers, but there's a lot of people that just like decide to do that because there's a lot of different possibilities. And I'm sure there's, there can be incredible, you know, gratitude of being being a lawyer and doing great things but if it's if that's just kind of a default decision because it's a good idea um it might not you're not you, you could really mute that stuff and this could you know apply to any profession so i think i think our big message would be like listen to your body get your body strong so that it can it can hold this this stuff and then let the things out that are no longer serving you in everything, in movement, in food, in yes. spiritual connection. And I tell everyone, like, you are your best doctor. And I'm not telling you to go start changing your medications and stuff, but you are the best at knowing how your body responds to anything you encounter. And like you said, I think really early on, we, we start ignoring that because it gets trained out of us in, in some aspects. And then, yeah, we just decide to stop listening because of all the other messages that are being given to us. But once you start tapping in, it just gets louder and louder and you start learning to make those decisions for yourself. And it's so empowering. Amazing. Well, I'm going to, I could talk to you guys forever. So 
but I don't want to take your time because I know you're busy. You're going to go and do some work together. But let's close off by saying like, this is just for, I'm sure lots of people would have these questions, but like, what are three things that you think are like the non-negotiables and it could be movement-wise, food-wise, but for you to really feel your best, you know, as much as possible daily, if that's it is, but what are kind of three non-negotiables for you, each of you? Breath work for sure. Um, and I like to do very like parasympathetic long exhales, feeling my rib cage, being relaxed and, and really, or, or doing it with Dom with my partner is so incredibly grounding. So Mm -hmm. that's something that, that has to be done on a daily or else I'm just running Ah, really high all the time. And another is, is movement of some kind. Like I know 100% I'm going to feel better if I move. And when I don't, I feel it. I, I just, in my body and my spirit and everything, I don't feel as good. So that could even just be going outside and walking or Hmm. lifting, whatever it is that I'm doing and moving. And so as long as I get that, that movement, um, that's so important. And the last thing that I will say is, is, did I connect to someone that day? Someone, like whether that is a deeper connection with my partner or a friend or it, it, my, I, I love people and I love connection. And it, it's not just through Instagram and social media, but, you know, being able to have my friends close, my family, my mm-hmm. partner is something that is so incredibly important. And I think connection is something that we all desperately need. So having that is so important to me. Yeah, I think I'd take it a similar way, but just in my practice in general, how I treat myself, how I treat the people I work with, I have three things and it's mindset, movement, and meals. And you need to have awareness in those three areas every day. And, you know, something that I like to do for my practice, I get up in the morning and do my breath work. My morning breath work's a little more stimulative, like a Wim Hof or a holotropic type breath work. I like to do my own prayer or energy work during that time, um, depending on what's been on my mind. That's what I'll send out some thoughts and energy towards. Um, movement, I generally then immediately get outside. I like getting outside and get some sun on my skin. We're fortunate to live right next to a beach, maybe walk to the beach and put my feet in the sand. There's a little bit of movement, maybe climb a tree on the way home because there's amazing trees right outside our apartment building. And then the meals is you know that awareness throughout the day. So. Then going into what Jen said, I mean, mindset, there's so many ways you can treat that, whether it's connection with humans, connection with myself, connection with the community around me. Um, You know, there's, again, I'd say blanket would be having awareness in those three areas for me. Yeah, beautiful. It's like, it's being awake, being awake to to the things that matter and to the things that fuel us in in the best ways. Well, this has been such a pleasure. I've totally fallen in love with both of you. And so we'll have to do this again. (laughs) Thank you so much. And for everybody listening, thank you. And as always, I'm pulling for you. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. 
Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.